0: Man, God is mighty to save, isn't He? You know, um, yesterday on the twenty-first of November, November, nineteen seventy-nine, is the day I got saved. Thirty-six years ago. Is that crazy? You guys, I know what you're thinking, man. You must have been like a baby when you accepted Him. No, I was, I was twenty years old when I accepted Jesus. 20 or 36 years ago and uh, he is mighty to save and uh, about a month ago um, at the end of the service I uh, threw out an invitation you know I I, I try to do that as many times as I possibly can and uh, there was a a lady sitting right back over here who uh, raised her hand caught her afterwards like hey bro I saw you raise your hand well Hey, lady. Um, <laughs> no, um, Laura is her name. I said, I saw you accept the Lord today. And uh, her good friend, Lorena, was was here and just rejoicing. And uh, Laura, 44 years old, went home to be with the Lord yesterday. is that amazing? You know, her, uh, the Lord revealed himself to her earlier this month, a month and a half ago. <clears throat> And uh, just coming out of really nothing, no religion really, you know. Uh, but something happened in her family's life and they were brought here by a friend. <laughs> and the Lord uh, the Lord spoke to her heart about a month ago. It's like he is mighty to save. He truly is. You know, he knew what was coming down. He knew what was happening, you know. And uh, so I was with the, uh, the family yesterday and uh, just kind of tripping. My mind is just kind of like, tripping out because it's like you know you never know (laughs) you never know if the Lord's calling you many of you guys are Christians and you will be Christians for a long time and I was being reminded this morning as I'm praying for this family and just knowing that 36 years ago the Lord saved me and a month ago he saved her and she gets the same blessings the same reward as I do you know what an exciting time and so uh, be praying for the Santiago family that uh, the Lord just comforts them you know it's just a hard hard time it's just unexpected Um, and so that's where we're at man but I'm excited I'm excited you know as we're worshiping this morning just I can only imagine I'm going dude she's there she's experiencing the glory of the Lord And so, man, we get to experience it right now, where we're at, through His Word, through fellowship, all of that. And then one day, we breathe our last, and then we go home to be with Jesus. Amen? So, excited. Revelation chapter 9 is where we're at this morning, if you will. Make your way over to our text, and we will be jumping into it right away, because there's a lot to cover this morning. I want to be able to to get as much as we possibly can. We are in the midst of the seven trumpet judgments. Chapter 8 sounded four of the seven trumpets. And the last verse of that chapter told us that the three remaining blasts of the trumpets will be more dreadful, more awful, and and frightful than than the first four. And one would think, whoa. You know, it's like, yeah, the last three are, are worse than the first four, and they were pretty gnarly. And yes, these last three trumpets, they are known as the woe trumpets. Woe as in woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth as it's shared with us. And you don't want to be on that side of the woe. Because yeah, that is, it's going to be dreadful. It's going to be awful. It's going to be frightening. Because God is going to pour out His wrath. And so chapter 9 reveals to us two of those trumpets. Two of those woe trumpets. But we won't see the last woe trumpet until Revelation eleven fifteen, And that trumpet is a doozy of a woe. Because it, it, it reveals... The, the reign of Christ on earth. And before that can ever happen, then the last trumpet is blown. It unleashes the seven bowl judgments, which are crazier than the seals, crazier than the trumpets. And you get into the bowls, and then it's like unleashed. And that starts in chapter 15. Might be there by next year sometime. Might. So Revelation chapter 9, let's read the whole thing. And honestly, I want to get through the whole thing today. So it says this. Then the fifth trumpet sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke. Of the pit. Then came out smoke, locusts came uh, upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpion of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads was crowns of something like gold, and their their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplate like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, with many horses running into battle, they had tails like scorpions, and there was sitting in, uh, and there was stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had a king as king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew was Abaddon, and in Greek was His name, Apollyon, one woe has passed. Behold, two woes, two more woes are coming after these things. Then the sixth uh, angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who have been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision who sat on them with breastplates of fiery red Hyacinth blue and sulphur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouth came fire, smoke, and brimstone. They by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouth. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like uh, serpents. Having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by the plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, nor idols of gold, silver, bronze, and uh, stone and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries of their sexual immorality and their thefts. Father, we just ask for your blessing upon your word right now, in Jesus' name, amen. And so as we go back to chapter, or to, to verse 1 of chapter 9, as the trumpets continue, the judgments of God continue as well. They don't stop, but, but understand once again, as we've seen last week, we see again this time that his judgments are measured. It's not His full wrath that is being poured out upon the world. We see that even here, there is; it is measured and it is also in perfect timing. And mercy is also being shown to the people in this chapter again. And you're saying, how can there be mercy when we see all this devastation? It's like there is mercy because it is measured and because it is timed perfectly. And with each blast that continues to come, there is more and more devastation upon the earth and upon man. And yet man is still given the ability to repent even through the tribulation time. That is mercy. That is mercy that He would still continue to show them that kind of stuff. You know, as we look around the world today and we see uh, some of the things that man does to man. And we see some of the things that happen on the earth and to the earth. And things that that we have, for most of us, haven't even seen in our lifetime. And we're starting to see more and more. And we're thinking, thinking, how can it get any worse? And it's like, it gets worse. You think it's bad right now? You think what we see around the world, even in our own country, is bad? It gets worse, peeps. It it, it just continues to spiral uh, out of control. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 21, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until uh, till this time, nor, uh, no, nor ever shall be. It's going to be something that we can't even imagine right now. Even with all the tragedies that we see, all the, all the horror that, that, that we face, and, and you turn on the news and you're going, My goodness gracious, Does anybody care? It's like it gets worse. It gets so worse. And like I've said before, and I will say it again, and I will say it again, we today are living in the age of grace. We are in His grace right now, and and the Spirit of God is still upon the earth. But when He takes His hand off, when, when He takes this church who are the light of the world, out of the way, And when he takes his Holy Spirit out of the way, then all hell will break loose. And that's what's going to be happy, happening during the great tribulation. So as the fifth seal sounds, it sounds, it says that John saw a star fallen from heaven. And notice closely that he didn't say, and the star fell from heaven. It had Fallen. It's a past tense kind of thing. If you remember last week, we we saw a star fall already with the third trumpet, and we looked at it and all the possibilities that kind of came along with that star falling. If it was a literal star that that had this torch that came in, it's like, well, could it be? Is it possible? Was it like a comet that came in in the literal sense and it poisoned all the fresh water? We also looked at the possibility that it could be an angel. Because Jesus refers to angels as stars in Revelation one twenty, And we also looked at the possibility that it could be, possibly, maybe, a religious group that comes in, a church, a leader, or somebody that comes in and poisons the hearts of men, a third of the the people in, in this world. But looking even closer to this verse, it says that he saw... A star fallen from heaven to the earth, period. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now <laughs> who you know, notice the hem in there. That that's what this verse says. So the star possibly is a person, a being, if not an it. And so we could look at maybe the star as being a literal person. Who is this him that he is referring to? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm not sure. I don't know for sure who this is. But more than likely, he is talking about an angel. Well, which angel? Well, I'm glad you asked that one too. Well, it could be possibly the third uh, from the guy from the, the third angel or the, trumpet, the angel from the third trumpet. Or he could be another destroying kind of angel. Or he could just be an angel that, that was given the key to the bottomless pit. He's like a janitor angel. He has keys. They give him the key, right? Or, or could it be, is it possible... That it's the angel who had fallen long ago that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah alluded to. And if you'd like, if not, you could, I'll just read it to you in, in, in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. It says this How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And it's interesting because the word mm-hmm. Lucifer, the name Lucifer, means morning star, day star, shining star, right? And so he says, how have you fallen from heaven? O oh, day star, shining star, morning star, sun of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. And I will also sit on the mountain, on the mount of the congregation, on the further side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, or hell, and to the lowest depths of the pit. And so is it possible that he is referring to Satan in this verse? Regardless of who this being is, it is given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, some would automatically say, as they read straight through verse 1, they would automatically think, well, doesn't Satan have the keys to hell anyways, after all? Isn't he the ruler of it? And it's like, well, you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? But he's not. He, he, not at all. He, is, he will be the most tormented in hell eventually. But he doesn't have the key to the bottomless pit. Oh, he did have the title deed to the earth. At one point, but he was never worthy enough to open up the seals of the title deed. He lost it. He lost the title deed when Jesus rose from the dead. That's when he lost the title deed. Jesus defeated death, but Satan has never had the key to the bottomless pit. It's interesting because Jesus said in, in Revelation one eighteen that he, Jesus, has the keys. Hades, hell, bottomless pit, and of death. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, 28, "Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." In other words, Jesus is the one that is the final answer. He holds the keys and he lends them out whoever to whoever he wishes. And so we see here that he gives it to an angel here. Uh, But anyways, Jesus is the one that has all of this in control. The bottomless pit that that he is referring to here is also known as the abyss, Hades, Sheol, or Hell, which most believe is at the center of the earth. Now I like what one commentator said, that because there, in the center of the earth, one might say that all is top and nothing is bottom. In other words, at the center of the earth, you could only go up to the top from any direction to the top because there is no bottom, so it's bottomless. So, just a little fact for you. Here's some other scriptures that you can look up yourself, but I'm going to touch on them really quick. In, in Luke 8:31, if you remember the story, Jesus goes to, to uh, Gennesaret, and, and he runs into a demonic being. And when he casts out the demons from this man, the demons beg Jesus, please don't send us into the abyss. Don't torment us yet. Isn't that interesting? And then two other times in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and in Jude chapter 6, they both speak about angels who are awaiting judgment in the abyss verses 3 to 4 or uh, 2 to 4 here in our text back in our text says that he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit and all this stuff started coming out now this angel that has the key goes and opens the bottomless pit now this angel could just be an angel with the key if you go over, and you don't have to, but again, I'll, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm just like talking like crazy right now, because I'm going to get this thing done. In, in, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Uh, Who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more until a thousand years were finished but after these things he must be released for a while. So it's telling us in Revelation chapter 20 that there's an angel with the key. He grabs a hold of Satan and tosses him in, and he held them, held them there for a thousand years during the millennial time. And then he releases him at the end of that thousand years. So if you go back to our text in verse 11, it tells us in verse 11, he says, And they had as king over them the angel of. The bottomless pit. And it gives us his name. So it's quite possible that we have two angels in verse 1. Because if you remember as I read. It says the fifth angel sounded. And the star had fallen from heaven to the earth. Period. And another sentence starts. And it says to him was given the key to the bottomless pit so we could possibly have two angels involved one one with the one with the key and that opens up the thing and satan he's not in hell right now he still has access to heaven i don't know if you knew that from job chapter one so he's not in hell right now so just kind of throwing out all these things but look at what happens as he opens up this thing hell is unleashed and it's almost as if like all the prison doors, that, that, that all the prisons throughout the world, if they were all open at one time, man, and all the criminals came out. That's kind of the scene that kind of looks like what's happening here when the, 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 the door to the bottomless pit is, is opened up, that all hell begins to break loose. And, and they're coming out like locusts, just like crazy. And it's interesting because in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 27, it says that the locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks. And so they all move together. So this looks like as, as it's opened up, that this, this whole wave of, of locusts just start clunk, coming out. And it says that, it, it, they say that when, when they fly in swarms like that, they kind of look like a dark cloud just flying over, uh, like smoke that would cover the sun. The, the, just the, the intensity of these locusts. If you remember, there was a locust plague that God used uh, in Exodus chapter 10 to destroy what the hail had left behind to the children of Egypt. But these are no ordinary locusts. Um, Regular locusts, they go after vegetation, and they can and will destroy crops all the way down to the earth and leave nothing behind, absolutely nothing But these locusts, they're not your your ordinary locusts, man. They're not out to destroy vegetation. They're out to torment men. And they have the power as scorpions. Now, I've never gotten stung by a scorpion. There are some that could be deadly and are deadly. I don't think the ones that we have up here are, are deadly. But I hear that they're pretty painful. And so these locusts have the power of a scorpion to bring pain and torment upon the people. These locusts seem to be demonic kind of locusts that have one thing on their mind, hurt and torment men. But look at who they cannot touch. They cannot touch those who are sealed by God on their forehead as we saw a couple, couple weeks ago, that God had sealed 144,000 on their forehead and they were not able to touch them because they were covered by God. And I've shared this with you before and I'll share it to you, with you again, that Christians are covered by God and nothing happens to them unless God knows about it and allows it. Other than that, man, you are indestructible. Nothing can touch you unless God opens the door for that to happen now in verses five through six um, it, it, it starts telling us that, that they were given authority uh, not given authority to kill uh, but to torment for five months so these locusts they have the authority to torment but not kill and I just find that fascinating I, I, I just look at this time and go, man it's going to be an ugly crazy awful time that for five months people will be getting tormented by these creatures whatever they are and they will seek death and death will flee from them And i'm thinking it just looks like this crazy horror movie kind of this whole zombie-ish thing that that people are like all into is like no it might become a reality one day when people are so tormented, whatever kind of pain they're going through, and they're trying to off themselves, to whack themselves off, to to kill themselves, and it just seems like nothing happens to them. And I'm going, what? I mean, what if they try to blow themselves up or blow their head off? And it's like, sorry, death will flee from you. (laughs) It just looks crazy. (sighs) People are going to want to die and they cannot. Ah. You know what's interesting as is, is, you know, studying all this, the life expectancy for a locust is five months. Isn't that crazy. From from May to, to about September is when they do their damage. If you think about that and you're thinking, man, people think that death would be better for them. And it would only, o- almost look like they, were, they would leap from the frying pan into the eternal f- fires of hell. <laughs> it's like, man, it's just going to be gnarly. Now, now, death for the believer can only usher them into heaven. It can only usher them into the, the presence of God and eternal life and rest. But for everyone else who doesn't have Jesus, it brings about eternal damnation and torment. Guys, I had just written this when I got the phone call from this gentleman yesterday that his wife had passed away. And I'm thinking, dude, she just got ushered into the kingdom. Because that's what happens when you have Jesus. Death cannot sting you anymore. It cannot hurt you anymore. Oh, we, we get bummed out because of you know, the, the pain and the grief. But death, for the believer, it ushers us into the very presence of the Almighty. But without Jesus, you await damnation and torment. And some have spiritualized this whole thing, saying that that it's all about the deception that will come out from the pit of hell at this time period. Uh, Everything will be darkened. The, The hearts of men will be darkened. Those who do not have the seal of God. And that spiritual torment that will happen in that sense, in the spiritual sense, will be will be hard to endure. They won't be able to bear it and they would desire death as, uh, instead. But that could be a possibility. It's in the spiritual sense, but I kind of tend to lean more on the literal sense on this one. And so here, verses 8 or 7 through through, uh, through about 10, it kind of gives us a description of what these locusts look like. And I'm thinking, man, they are no lo- no you know, little. I mean, they're already ugly, but it's like they it, it just seem very like crazy. the The description that he gives us here, and so let me throw you a little curveball here, a little twist. You know, let me just toss it your way here. As some suggest that it, it could it be, is it possible? And if you tilt your head in a slight different direction and kind of squint your eyes, it's like, yeah, I guess I could see that. That maybe, just maybe, John, the the apostle here, is looking at an armor armored helicopter or something that, that, that is just kind of and it's like, mm, I could see that. There's so many different speculations, but I thought that one was fascinating. So I thought I'd share it with you. They look like locusts. They're harming like locusts, but they're not. Yeah, anyways. Verse 11, it gives us the name of, of this, this angel of, not the, the, like the other angel that had the keys to the bottomless pit. Here's the angel of the bottomless pit, Ab, Abaddon and uh, Apollyon. And both of these names means destroyer. And so could it be, is it possible that he is talking about Satan himself? And then verse 12 says, the first woe has passed and man has not, was not permitted to die during that woe but as we move forward as we've already read from verses 13 on the 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 next woe comes and death is back in business because as we look at the sixth angel as he sounds this this trumpet judgment continues to come and 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 there's a time period between the fifth trumpet and the sixth trumpet and that is five months at least we don't get any time periods from the other trumpets but this one we do and so um, i'm sure it feels like an eternity for those guys suffering for five months but with the sounding of this trumpet we see the altar that is before god and we've seen this altar before and it held the prayers of the saints that were offered up and then reached to god and here we see that this altar is a place of judgment also And in reality, that is what an altar is. A place of offering and judgment. Something has been offered to pay the price for somebody's sin. And so there's judgment that occurs there. And so it's not a strange thing that we see judgment coming from the altar of God here. If you remember what the what the prayers of the tribulation saints were that were brought to the altar in in revelation 6 10 it was how long O lord how long until you judge and avenge your people and we see that it's now coming before him and the judgment is going going out and we are told that that the altar has four horns like the like the the golden altar that was before the holies of holies in in the in the holy place of the tabernacle, it too had four horns, and it had blood on each of the horns because whatever you sacrificed, you went and you put blood on the horn, and the horn represents power and authority, and the blood represented the power of forgiveness back in the Old Testament, but here we 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 see we see the altar. And it has horns, but no blood. It doesn't say that it has any blood. But, it, but again, this speaks of power, of, of, of judgment that is about to pe- be poured out. And it says that there's a voice that comes out. And it has the authority to command. And is it possible, perhaps, that the voice is from the lamb that has been slain, from Jesus himself, that gives the command now, to go pour out this judgment from the altar. It could be God Himself. But verses 14 to 15, it says that that there's four angels that are released. Four angels. (laughs) We've seen four angels in chapter 7. And these were the ones that were stopped from doing any harm to the earth until another angel sealed the 144,000. So it is quite possible that it could be possibly the same for angels that were stopped and may be bound at the river euphrates because they are ordered uh, to be released and you have to be bound or restricted or held back before you could be released now the river euphrates is a river that is mentioned throughout the bible it's mentioned as early as genesis chapter 2 at the in the garden of eden And it is known as the Great River, the river, uh, there's also a river in Revelation 26, and it's the river Euphrates that gets dried up by the sixth bowl judgment. And so this great river, it runs from Turkey uh, through uh, Syria, through Iraq, and it meets up with the Tigris River down by Kuwait and Iran. And, and then it they, they just pours into the, the, the Persian Gulf. And it's interesting because of all the stuff that's going on over there, the river Euphrates is going to be a vital part of this whole thing that's going on in that place. Whew. It brings the, the, the east and the west together. That's where the ancient bear, uh, boundaries are. And so um, now because we don't know for sure if, the, if these four angels were the same ones from chapter 7, it could be that they are four angels other angels that had been bound in the river euphrates and it says for the hour the day the month and the year to be released to kill a third of mankind again you see this timetable that god has he has specific times for everything from from the hour to the day to the month to the year There's going to be a specific time in God's economy when he says, now these four angels kill a third of the population. And if you kind of look at the numbers, I don't have them all with me right now, but because of all the other deaths that have happened, it's almost like we're down to a quarter or or a half of all the world's population. So right now we're at what? 7.5 billion? We're down to about... 3.2 or whatever it is. Billion people. That many have died in this time frame already. And so we see once again that God has a purpose. He has a purpose every hour, every day, every month, every year. He has a purpose for everything. And when, when He has a certain purpose that all things culminate in one time, it's all God, nobody else. And so this last trumpet um, it, it's meant to, to come uh, or, or they're, they're, they come and they are allowed to kill men. And that is God's purpose and command. And like in the flood when God was bringing down judgment on the earth back in Genesis chapter 3 verse um, uh, Genesis 6 3, it says my spirit shall not always strive with man forever. There's a time that God will judge And we are looking at this. Now, God is long-suffering, guys. Don't ever forget that. He is full of grace. But He's also righteous and just. And He brings judgment to pass. Because God says what He means, and He means what He says. And He says, man, I've given you grace. I've sent my Son so that you can have salvation and you can escape my wrath. And when men say, forget you, God... (laughs) When I ra- when a man would rather say, "I want justice instead of mercy," that's just what he's going to get—condemnation, damnation. See, it'd be a fool. I- I'd be a fool if, 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 if I got this crazy speeding ticket. and I've gotten my share, and and I go to and I go to the judges like, "I want justice." And he says, "Great, man. Here's a thousand dollars for for speeding." Are you kidding me? Not me, man. It's like, please have mercy on me. Please, please, please. I want mercy. I don't want justice. (laughs) Justice is getting exactly what I deserve. I don't want to get exactly what I deserve. I want mercy. I want all the charges dropped. (laughs) That's what I want. (laughs) I'm not ashamed. But you see, God is full of grace. He is long-suffering. But he has said that justice will come. And people who refuse mercy will get justice. And that's what we're seeing here. And so at the end here of this chapter, we see that, that he, he sends out these horses. Says that the number was 200 million. Our population in the United States is about 300 and some million. But 200 million. Armies get together, and, and and in 1965, the Chinese said that they could man up about that many. It could just be that all the world comes together at that time frame. I think in World War II, uh, it was estimated to ha- there was about 70 million in in all of the, the that were fighting this war. So it's quite possible that they all come together and they join up with the four angels and and it just seems like everything's coming at you know from all directions but it seems like this is a demonic kind of nature of an army with their numbers and their and their description maybe some modern um, machinery or whatever it just seems like it's innumerable just constant the bombardment But these people are being killed by fire, smoke, and brimstone. And I guess we could see it with the modern our, uh, armament that we have. The, man, if, if all these things are coming together and all these poison gases and biological stuff. You know, again, it's like, who knows? Except that man is evil. And if, and if evil is unleashed <laughs> onto the world, how bad is it going to be? And it's almost like if I, if I say, who wants to be here at that time? You'd be a fool. To say, oh, I do. It's like, okay, then don't accept Jesus. And you might be here. But then again, you might die. (laughs) And be tormented forever. But you have the opportunity this morning. Again, man, we we as, as Christians should not desire this kind of judgment on people. Our hearts should be broken. But you know what? It's interesting that as we get to the last two verses here as God has shown His power and still in measured judgment it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues did not repent. They continued to worship idols. And it's, it's not so much they were bowing down they were just interested in everything else except God. And they knew where it was coming from. They knew that this judgment was from God. And they refused it. Because that's who man is. It says at the end here. he says, and they did not repent from murders. From their murders. And their sorceries. And the word sorceries in, in the Greek is pharmakia. And it means drugs. They, 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 they did not repent from their drug use. They did not repent from their sexual immorality. And their thievery. Why? Because man is evil. They wanted to continue in that instead of having a change of heart and repenting. And God gave them all the, the provision that was needed, not just right now at the age of grace, but even in the tribulation time. He continues to save mankind and they refuse. And they basically flip them off and say, Later. And it's almost like, well, you shouldn't have to feel sorry for them then, Zeke. Because they refused it. And it's like, no, my heart still breaks. Our hearts should break. Because that, 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 that's probably going to be some of our family and friends. Oh, they've heard it from you. You can't make them turn. Man, pray that God shows them mercy. Man, there was times in my life, throughout my Christian life, man, I've, feel bad for even saying this there was times where i just feel like telling people go to hell if you want if that's what you want because you don't want jesus and then i get convicted of that i get convicted of that man because it's again that's just my hardness that's my evilness you know that's my flesh and i shouldn't let my flesh get away from me like that but it does sometimes because it's like why won't you accept jesus and yet we can't make it happen, guys. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, as we finish here, it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness. <laughs> he will bring it down. Don't, don't worry about that. But it says, but he is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That should be our hearts, guys. God desires men to be saved. And we should desire the same thing. Pray for boldness, guys. Pray for, for open doors. Ask God, Lord, put me in those hard situations. I know I'm not an evangelist. I, you know, I get nervous about talking about you, but, but put me in those situations, Lord. I can guarantee you, man, you start praying that, he'll put you in situations and you'll be going, ah. <laughs> but you know what? You'll either say something or you'll back up and you'll get convicted for backing up, dog. Hmm. Be bold. Be bold in your faith, guys. Time is short, man. There are people getting saved today. I mean, this morning I'm praying, Lord, bring the unsaved. I mean, I bless my, my brothers and sisters, man. Bless them. But encourage them to go out and bring the unsaved. Because people are getting saved. And people are dying. I've seen it recently. It's no joke. It's for real, guys. Jesus wants to save people because they're going to die. And so let's stand as we close in prayer God has given us the gift of repentance <laughs> and we ought to take sin serious even in our own lives that we should repent and confess so that God can use us to show mercy to other people Father in heaven blessed be your name Lord we don't want to take any of this lightly Lord your word is true. It has been written down. You have spoken it, Lord, and it will come to pass. And, Lord, we can look at this and think that it's so far-fetched or so far in the future that it won't even affect us. But it will affect those who don't know you today, who will die in their sin, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would give us that urgency in our own lives. That, Lord, you would just break our hearts because it breaks yours. That you give us the boldness, Lord God, to be lights for you wherever we find ourselves, Lord. Lord, there's people who are hurting around us day in and day out. And they're just waiting for somebody to talk to them. And even those who have rejected, Lord God, <laughs> they still need you. And I pray that, Father, one day you would use us to draw somebody to yourself, Lord. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Give them that courage to stand. Give them that boldness, Lord, not the coward. Lord, I pray, God, that You would open doors for them. Put them in those hard situations, Lord. I pray, I truly do, Lord, that You put my brothers and sisters in those situations, Lord. That even the little bit that they know, they would be able to share. We thank You. And I want to give You that opportunity, man. That this morning, if you're here, and maybe you've been coming for a while, and you're not saved, you know that. And I'm not talking about you, Christian, that, man, it's like, man, save me again. It's like, you're saved already. Just repent. Confess your sins. You're in. It's those who have not ever come to Jesus. That if you died today, next week, a month from now, you know where you're going to be in his presence. Is there anybody that said, Pastor, pray for me? Simple little prayer. Is there anybody? I don't want you to leave, man, and not have that opportunity. Don't miss it, man. Father, I do pray, God, for everybody in this room right now. Lord, you know each one of them. You know their hearts, Lord. You know, Lord, God, if they're they're in or not. And I just pray for them. That, Lord, they would know have that confidence, that assurance that they are going to heaven when they die. So, Lord, please, Lord, speak to them, minister to them, use them in a powerful way. And again, Lord, if there's someone just too embarrassed to raise their hand, Lord, <clears throat> Lord, I know they don't need me to, to give them that invitation. They can cry out to you right there with are. I pray you would. You would save them. We thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Our prayer team is going to be up.